calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. The Violet Hour presents... Between the Devil Episode 7 Grow Up Wise Up Alright, get that lot down for home. Aye, sir. Uh, where's the rest of it? The rest of what? The cargo. That's it. That's it? That's it. But where's the rest of it? Stow the questions and the cargo shop. All right, all right, all right. So, Master Francisco, that's 40 pounds of salt pork, nine sacks of peas, six hogsheads of fresh water, and a barrel of pickled herring. Right. Good. I set the chickens like you asked. Might have covered about half the peas with the corn it made us. Right. It's not wrong, though. Seems an awful small parcel of goods to bring aboard, considering how far we've yet to go. This was not a planned resupply stop, Mr. Gibbs. Given the current circumstances, we must stretch every penny and tighten our belts accordingly. Aye, aye. The man won't be too happy to hear it, I can tell you that. And you think I am happy about it? No, I didn't mean... I will not stand by and watch this venture fall apart, even if that does mean running the risk of offending your delicate sensibilities. I only meant to say... Francisco! Francisco! Sammy! What? Sammy! I I can't find her! She's probably hiding downstairs in the boxes and barrels, playing pirates or soldiers or some sort. No, no, Francisco... On the island? I... I had taken her out onto the island and she ran off. What? I searched everywhere, but I can't find her. What happened? What did you do? Why did she... She heard what you said. She heard us talking about sending her away, sending her back home. Uh, And I tried to tell her that everything would be all right, but she just took off running. Running where? Into the town. Into the island. I, I don't know. I tried to follow her, but... She got ahead of me and slipped to the crowd, and I lost her. God damn it! 
All right, let's go. Take me to where you last saw her. We can search for her together. The two of us can't cover that much ground, Francisco. It would take all night. And she's out there alone right now, in God knows what kind of trouble. Gibbs, go below and have the men assemble on deck immediately. Of course, but... Uh, but what? Well, the men have been itching for a chance to go ashore, but... But what? Without the coin to partake in what the city has to offer, they haven't seen a reason. Tell them that advances will be given to any man that joins the search. A, a quarter of their wages. Just get them up here. That'll do it. Aye, sir. Francisco? We'll find her. While the crew of the Roslyn were being roused from their malaise and mustered on deck, Sammy was already far outside of the city and farther still from any help that Francisco's gold might have brought her. With her hands bound, and the occasional prick of a blade between her shoulders, she had been marched out of Marlene's brothel by the back way and made to trek through the dark and dense jungle. The undergrowth grew thicker and thicker, snaking in Sammy's hair and tearing at her exposed arms and legs. Just when further progress began to seem impossible, the jungle thinned and came to an abrupt end at the edge of a swamp. Sammy was momentarily unsure of what to do. Was she expected to proceed into the sea of muck and gran that lay before her? Would her first step from dry land find her up to her neck in the foul-smelling stuff? And what kind of horrors were lurking beneath the surface? For something must have been causing those ripples and bubbles to appear. A sharp pain between her shoulders, quickly followed by a violent push, sent her stumbling forward into the water. She found she could walk, and walk she did, tripping over roots and stepping into hidden sinkholes at the behest of the blade in her back and the woman who wielded it. Where are you taking me? Just walk! Uh, I can't slap the mosquitoes with my hands tied behind my back. If you want me to slap them for you, keep talking. Keep walking. If you're just going to kill me, why bother bringing me out here? I'm not going to kill you, Samara. You're worth far too much to me alive. I have no idea what she will have in store for you. And I don't care. Who is she? Uh, Keep walking. My hands are tied and you have a knife. What do you think I'm going to do? Why won't you just tell me where we're going and who you're taking me to? Because, Samara, I don't want to. I've had 20 years of doing things that I don't want to do. Things that would turn that rat's nest of yours white and send you crawling back to your papa without a wheat left in your empty melon. I've had enough. My hands have been bound and I've had a knife in my back for far too long. But stop! What? Gators? Tatois! I think, yes, through there, where the trees arch over, go. The murky waters of the swamp slowly receded and gave way to solid ground that steadily rose up out of the festering mire. The trees bent in around them as they continued on, a tunnel made of vines and branches. 
and ahead Sammy soon saw daylight breaking through the canopy. Eventually she stepped out into a clearing. The hilltop was bare of any trees and what Sammy had at first taken to be a large clump of dead and dried bushes in its center came into focus and revealed itself to be a low, dirty, derelict cottage. Is that a house? A hovel. Keep going. Who lives there? You'll see soon enough. Inside. What are you cooking in there? It smells awful. You're no pose yourself, Samara. Inside. Shelves lined the walls of a small room, some filled with books and others packed to the top with glass jars, labelled in a script that Sammy could not decipher, and the contents of which made her shiver to look at. In the middle of the room, a bubbling cauldron hung suspended by a hook over a small fire, and behind it, swaying from side to side, stood the figure of a small, stooped woman. Wrinkled hands with long, gnarled fingers extending from the depths of billowing black sleeves passed over the surface of the roiling mixture, creating eddies in the steam that rose slowly to the ceiling. Atop a pair of hunched shoulders sat a pinched and wrinkled face, nearly obscured by the tangled snarl of white hair around it, like a cracked egg in a misshapen nest. Her eyes were opened wide, staring into the swirling contents of the cauldron and reflecting the same eerie green glow that lit her features from below. Sand. Tuna. Hole. Tuna. Chevy. Tuna. Dan. Tuna. Sun. Tuna. Pole. Tuna. Oh, Tuna. Dan. Tuna. Sun. Tuna. Pole. Tuna. Dan. Tuna. A long way to travel just to show me how you treat your livestock. No, no, she, she isn't one of my girls. She's... Oh, you chose a bad time to come calling, Marlene. This can only be brewed on the eve of the full moon, and it must be stirred 33 times before the sun has set, while the smoke from the worm root still hangs in the air. You have until the smoke clears to explain why you felt the need to interrupt me. Uh, yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, please. This girl, you told me that if I ever found anything uh, unusual or strange, like that coin from the man who came into that the... coin? Does this girl have a hyacinth crystal in the middle of her? Is she made from Egyptian gold? Uh, no. Not the coin itself. She has a... a look. Hey, Give me your hand. Hey. Look, there, on her hand. That symbol. The circle, the sun and the moon, the eye. The air is clearing, Marlene. You said if I ever found anything like that coin to, to bring it to you immediately. Well, here it is. 
that same symbol. Marlene, you desperate fool. What you brought me was no coin. What are you... It was an amulet. An amulet which once hung around the neck of a great Egyptian king. A man revered and trusted and loved by his people. He was laid to rest with the amulet against his empty chest for a thousand years before the chain was broken by tomb robbers who frittered it away with the rest of their plunder. It changed hands for two thousand years more, only to find its way into the coin purse of some sweat-sodden drunkard who saw fit to toss it onto your bedside table while he buttoned his breeches. That amulet was crafted with care and intention. The markings on it were far more meaningful than a mere symbol. When you brought it to me, looking for some pitiful reward, I did not hear the jingling of coins. I heard the screams of centuries of torment and cries for peace. I didn't trade you gold for some magic coin. I paid a 3,000 year ransom on a man's soul. And now you bring me this filthy little girl with a child's scribble on her hand and you want to sell her soul into bondage as well? I... I... Modi! I've lost count of my stirring! Modi! 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 Please, I need this. They won't let me leave until I pay off my debts and... Get out! Now! When you brought me that amulet, I gave you enough to pay your debts twice over. But you... The girl... That is a magic symbol. Where did you get it? You could find out... Perhaps she knows more, but she must. You could make her tell you. Force it from her. You could be the greatest sorcerer the world has ever seen. Even, even greater than you are now. Save the empty flattery for your patrons. I have no doubt it works wonders on a flagging libido, but it will get you nowhere with me. Now leave. But, but you... I... Oh, if you don't, I'll... And just what do you think you could do to me? With that knife, Marlene. You are a vermin. You are less than a vermin, less than a rat. Because a rat may live in filth and sleep in its own waste, but a rat would not claim to be anything other than what it is. It may carry disease and kill thousands, millions, but it does so unknowingly. But you, You wield the disease of your dead and blackened heart with a wicked and selfish intent. How many girls have you damned to fates worse than your own? How many lives have you destroyed to keep your own from crumbling like dust through your fingers? How many? You say you want out. But there is no out when you are your own prison. No cure when you are your own disease. You will leave this place, Molly, now. And if you ever think to darken my doorstep again, to beg for the pity that you deny to others, you won't find making your way through the swamp so easy. What a fair foutre, gitan sale! May this putrid hut burn to ashes and sink into the ground with you in it! Come with me, Samara. Hey! What are there you? are other ways to get coin from a little girl like you. Let me leave the girl. Oh, what? 
or I will reach down your throat, take hold of that shriveled soul of yours, and twist your insides to your outsides. No man will be able to stand even the thought of your touch, and you will know nothing but disgust and revulsion for the rest of your days. Or you can leave the girl, keep your pretty face, and get the hell out of my hut. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for... Modi. This is useless. Useless! A waste. Now this is just slop in a pot. Useless! 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 as if I'm busy anymore. You, girl, scrub that cauldron while I feed this little pest. What? There's the brush. Scrub. Okay. Poison for little girls. Best keep your mouth shut, or we'll soon see if it works after all. Scrub! You know... Oh, don't you start now. There's a whole swamp out there full of mosquitoes. If you're hungry, use your little legs to hop out there and catch some. Because he's too stupid to find his way home if I let him out to eat. He would fly off and we would never see him again. I have seeds or corn. You are not getting the Peruvian bot flies, so don't start with that nonsense again. Seeds, corn, or go find your own. Arguing with a toad. The greatest sorcerer the world has ever seen. I talk to a goat sometimes. Ha! 
do you now? His name is Arnold. Well, then you are as crazy as I am, and there is nothing to be proud of. You should choose your friends more carefully, girl. But Arnold's a good goat. Not the damned goat! What? Marlene? She wasn't my friend. She said she was going to help me, but... Ha! And where did that get you? Waiting on others to help you. On your knees scrubbing an old hag's cauldron in the middle of a swap. <laughs> First time you've done anything of the kind, I would guess, from the look of that silk dress. Or what is left of it. A girl like you, more spirited than you are sensible, ought to learn who to trust. If you don't, where you will end up someday, you will wish you were back here scrubbing my cauldron. <laughs> my advice to you is to grow up and wise up. Hone your instincts and learn to trust them and never let anyone tell you what to do. I said scrub. It would be different if you were a little boy. Little boys become men, and the world respects men. A woman needs to be smarter and wiser if she expects to survive in the world out there. You need to grow up and wise up if you are going to keep sticking your neck out. It is a shame you were born a girl and not a boy. Like your two brothers. Ouch! How do you know... Did I have two brothers? The same way I know you came to this island on a ship. A ship with a dark secret. Are you a witch? Careful, girl. In some places, being branded a witch is enough to get you hanged. But you live in a hut, in a swamp, and you have a toad, and you make potions, and you can see things. That's what a witch does, isn't it? I live here, in the swamp, in my hut, with my toad and my potions. Not because that is what a witch does, but because I cannot stand people. Any of them. People. And their simple thoughts and puerile desires. They hang around them like the smell of death on a corpse. They cloud the mind and assault the senses. And so, I live here, as far away from people as I can get on this island, where the air is free of their odiousness. But on occasion, a new scent will waft in on the breeze, stronger, sharper, ships carrying ill-gotten goods, crews of murderers and monsters. They come and go, and they take their stench with them. But yesterday... I scented something different making its way into the harbour. Something more potent. It grew stronger. Approaching. When Moline came, I thought the stink was on her. But now that she is gone, I see that... No. It was you. You have been close to something truly evil. And now the stink of it clings to you like grasping fingers from the grave. Fingers that, given enough time, will pull you down with them. How 
How can you know all of that? A lifetime spent with one foot in this world and the other in the world outside this one lends one certain advantages and disadvantages. I'm hard-pressed to say which one this is. Is it magic? Is that how you knew about the pharaoh and the amulet? You ask too many questions, Samara. <gasps> how did you know my name? Marlene said it for heaven's sake. Not everything is magic. Even in the face of death, you have the mind of a schoolgirl. Grow up. Wise up. But if you know magic, you can help. That's what's happening on the ship. What is hold over that ship is not mere magic. Magic is a process, a practice. It has no form of its own without a will behind it. Like a toy on a string. But what has a hold of the other end of that string? That ship is part of something else. A conduit to something far worse. That's exactly what Phoenix said. He said that at the end of the voyage, nothing but terror and misery await. Phoenix? He's a boy. A ghost. A ghost boy thing. He was on the ship years ago, and his mama gave him a word of protection. This word, on my hand, and it saved him. Kind of. Ah, yes. The reason Marlene dragged you out here. Crude, ill-formed, but yes, it is a water protection, after a fashion. But it would do little to protect against the forces at play on that ship. Runes and symbols can only be expected to do so much. But you could help. You must know all kinds of magic. The kind that could help fix the ship. And why would I do that? Why wouldn't you? Why should I? Because you... Because you have to. That's why I'm here. You said it yourself. This symbol that is meant to protect me led me to you. It's why Marlene brought me here. To sell you. But you wouldn't let her. You helped me then. So why not now? Ha! You have no idea what you are asking of me. If you think the presence on that ship is terrifying now, it is nothing compared to what it would do if it felt threatened. Do you think it would just give up? That it wouldn't fight back. What? That little doodle of yours brought you to slippage, got you kidnapped, and dragged through the swamp by a conniving whore to a smelly old witch's hut. And now I am obligated to help you? To throw myself in the path of that hellbound frigate? Ha! Don't laugh at me! Ha! Don't! Ha! 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 Are you going to help me or not? Oh, I'll help you. I'll help you in the only way that will do you any good. Are you ready? Run! As far away from that ship as you can. You and your symbol are no match for what is in store for you. Run, swim, crawl, fly if you can manage it, but don't go back to that ship. You told me to grow up and that's what I'm trying to do. What my mama would do. She wouldn't turn her back on Papa and neither will I. You can hide from the world and try to forget that there are people worth caring about. But I'm not going to do that. If Marlene is her own prison, then you're the same. Only worse, because you have the key to yours, but you won't use it. Maybe you should grow up. Maybe you should... Sit down. You can't tell me what... Sit down! Okay. How dare you, you little brat. You tell me, come to my home. I'm invited and I can learn to tell me. And, and, and you beg for my help. But no idea what you're asking of me. How dare you? 
You want my help? You'll get my help, you little woman! Shut up! Grow up! You Tell me to grow up! You grow up! Take them and get out of my sight! What? What are they? What do they look like? Water of protection! Far more powerful than that thing you keep rubbing with your fingers. But how do they work? What do I do with them? So many questions. This is a string of beads made from the shell of a 400-year-old tortoise. Take it and put it around the spindle of the ship's wheel. It will keep it on course. And mount this to the figurehead, the eyes of toads and ravens in a jar of stump water to keep obstacles out of your path. There. You can go. Bye. But, Bye. But I don't. Get out. I'm afraid. You should be. You're dealing with things that should scare anyone who has any sense. But that's part of growing up, being afraid. But seeing it through anyway. Now go. (sighs) Thank you. Stop. Come back in here. Come on. That chest. There. Open it. Put them on. But these are boys' clothes. Another trip through the swamp and the jungle in that dress and you will have no clothes. Put them on. Leave the dress. I can use it for rags. But my mama... Leave it. Where did these clothes come from? From a boy. A boy who... asked too many questions. Oh. That ship of yours. It sails on an evil wind. I know. I've heard it. I'm sure you have. Those wards will do you no good if that wind is forever at your back. But how do I stop the wind from blowing? You can't. Like the setting of the sun or the waning of the moon. The wind will blow and it's folly to try to stop it. Then it's hopeless. Not hopeless. Not entirely. You could just go home, you know. But there is another ship out there in the harbor. A small family. I'm sure they would be willing to rescue a little girl and spirit her back home to her mother. There are no easy choices. But you do have another part. I can't leave my papa to die on that ship. <sighs> I thought not. <gasps> no! What? But... What? Secure this to the top of the mast. It will not stop the wind, but uh, it should do away with the malevolence that pervades it. The others you can place as soon as you return to the ship, but this must be placed at the new moon in the dead of night. Take it. Did you have to kill the bird? There are no easy choices. Lest of all the one you have made. There will be loss 
and sacrifices. They always are when you put yourself between the devil and the world. Take it. And this. What? The symbol? Phoenix symbol? But the eye has a crystal. <gasps> is this the amulet? The pharaoh's amulet? But is he still in here? Doesn't he need peace? I helped him find peace. He has no need for that amulet any longer, and neither do I. But it might just help you. There are no easy choices. But once you have made your mind up, even if it tears you apart, you have to see it through anyway. Grow up, Samara, and wise up. I will. And I'm sorry about that you had to... Don't apologize. He knew the risks. A witch's pet is never more than a hair's breadth from the cauldron or the cook fire. Don't start! Go now. You have things to do. There aren't gators in the swamp, are there? None that you'll need to worry about. Marlene, on the other hand. As the young girl passed from the darkness and into the light, the old woman slumped down in her chair and held her face in her hands. The girl had been determined to return to her ship, with or without the old woman's help, and in her heart she knew that she had done what was right. But the heart, she reminded herself, is a fool's compass, fickle and easily misled. The old woman felt the girl's presence growing more distant. She saw through the dwindling stench of the evil presence that still trailed behind her, to her true essence, her spirit, her soul. Had she armed the girl against an unseen terror? Given her the tools to keep the darkness at bay? Or had she merely delayed the inevitable? She rose slowly from the chair. She stood there for a long moment, swaying from side to side, struggling to hold back the terrible fear that her fickle heart had taken a wrong turn, betraying her carefully guarded disinterest and that she had unwittingly damned the young girl and every soul on her ship to a fate far worse than death. From Violet Hour Media, Between the Devil... Created, written, and directed by Justin Jones and Natalie Jones. Sound designed and mixed by CJ Drummler, with assistant sound designer Alison Eng. Music by Nathan Matthew David and Jeremy Lamb. Executive produced by Cassie Josephoff. Narrated by Maria Olson. The role of Gibbs was played by Charlie Wilson. 
Francisco by Fred Cross, Ruben by Brian Umberto Hoyos, Sammy by Annie Kalaherka, Marlene by Steph Beaton, and The Swamp Witch by Maria Olson. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.